Sideways, an urban fantasy series written and narrated by Andy Havens. You're listening to book one, Awake. This and the second book, Aware, are available on Amazon as print and ebooks. You can get the Amazon links, learn more about the series, read the development blog, create fan fiction, and read the first book for free at thesideways.com. That's T-H-E-S-I-D-E-W-A-Y-S.com. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the books in any form, I'd really appreciate a share on Facebook or Twitter, or LinkedIn, I suppose, or Instagram, Tumblr, Reddit, Pinterest, Flickr. Chapter 1, Part 2. Kendra averaged about five gardens a day. Today was a four-garden day, but one of them was a doozy. A topiary, one of her favorites. It would be her last stop. She hopped on the metro and rode two stations further uptown and then changed to go out along one of the commuter lines for her first garden. It was as far out as she'd go today. She'd work her way back downtown doing stops two and three and then cross back over beyond where she and her mom lived for the last stop. Go long and work your way back. She preferred to get the longest train rides over early in the day. Walking to the first garden, she thought about what she'd need to do. It was fairly small and ran almost entirely to specialty flowers, some in climate-controlled, semi-enclosed areas. Not as much fun, but not as much dirty work either. More bugs. Oh well, bugs didn't bother her. She didn't understand why some girls got all weird about bugs and guts and stuff that was just... natural. She arrived at the gate to the garden and punched a code into the electronic combination lock. That was one of the things that most of Mr. Vernon's gardens had in common. Made it easier than having to get keys for everyone. And if an employee got fired, everyone got a text message with the new code. It had already happened twice just since Kendra had started to work this summer. Kendra stepped into the garden area and her phone buzzed to let her know that there were new notes to read today. Notes about some replacement supplies in the shed, it turned out. That was another hallmark of Mr. Vernon's sites. The shed, the tools, supplies, chemicals, plant foods, seeds, everything, were kept on site and tracked via her smartphone app. Stuff got restocked by one of his company vans whenever it was needed. The sheds were powered and recharged the various portable handheld electronic tools, Power also took care of a small computer and wireless connection that relayed messages and supply requests back and forth from the main office. Kendra opened the shed and pulled down her pruning shears and a new can of specialized fertilizer as per the day's text message. As each came out of its spot on the shelf, her app relayed the information back to headquarters. The gloves she put on came out of her backpack, those she had been given as a new hire gift by Mrs. Vernon via her mom. They were very nice gardening gloves. As usual, there was no one in the garden for the hour or so that Kendra was there. She worked quietly and efficiently. 
checking the flowers and plants for signs of injury, sickness, or insects. She took care of a few minor problems herself, clipping off a sickly bud here, pruning an unsightly leaf there. She noted that one of the flower beds seemed to be too moist, while the ones opposite were too dry. It may just have been the time of the day or the wind or some other factor, but these plants were very moisture sensitive, and so she noted it on her phone. Materials back in the shed, shed locked, gate open, gate closed, gate locked, lock confirmed. That last was an important step. The guy who'd taken her around the first half week had made sure she understood that you lock the gate and then enter the unlock code in backwards to confirm that it's locked. You can't endanger client's property by failing to unlock a gate, he told her, but you can do so by failing to lock it. That's why locking is more important than unlocking. He'd nodded sagely, as if imparting arcane wisdom of the ages. She'd nodded back, as if glad to be absorbing such wisdom. Either way, she always remembered to confirm the locking code on the way out. It was getting warmer. Kendra picked up a bottled water from a vendor outside the metro on her way down. This was a short jump, just two stations, to the number two garden. She drank the whole water on the subway and wished for more. The second and third jobs went much like the first. At the third, she bumped into one of the teams who did the watering, brought in new mulch, stuff like that. They had some pizza, and they gave her a slice, so she figured she could skip lunch, do the last garden, and maybe even get home a little early. She had to walk almost five blocks to the last garden from her subway stop. It was in an older, more gentrified area of town. More brick, smaller buildings, old-fashioned architecture. As she crossed the street under the block with the garden, she was glad to be coming into a much shadier stretch of road. Lots of big older trees hanging over the curbs, dappled sunlight passing through branches that almost touched above the street, making a kind of shaded corridor. There were no commercial buildings on this block, just apartments, and from the street it looked just like that, apartments and townhouses. But the gate Kendra stopped in front of only looked like the front of a three-story building. Behind it lay a hidden oasis of strange green shapes, at once both artful and chaotic. This was the only garden for which there was an actual, physical key. Kendra reached into the zippered front pouch of her backpack and pulled it out. It was large and made of iron and looked just like you'd expect the key for some treasure chest to look. It was heavy and cold in her hand, and it took a few tries and shakes before she could get the key to turn and the barred iron gate to open. Once inside, she closed and relocked the gate. This job would take her an hour at least, and she didn't want some street person wandering in looking for a handout or a place to crash. After returning the key to her backpack, she turned and went through the short tunnel-like archway that separated the street from the garden. It was only her fourth time at this garden, and it still amazed and surprised her. A sharp bend in the brickwork directly after the gate hid the rest of the grounds from anyone looking in from the street. But once she was inside the gate, Kendra sensed that she'd passed into a different place, a strange world, and the tunnel was the first real step inside. It was a narrow brick archway, about ten feet tall at its center, curving down to about three feet tall on each side, at which point the walls went straight to the ground. It felt a bit to Kendra as if she were standing inside a short brick pipe. The shape itself was fairly out of the ordinary, but the decorative architectural touches were what made it truly odd. At the base of each side wall were a series of six inset alcoves, not large, each only about the size of a shoebox. 
Inside each was a small statue of a nude child, and each little person was engaged in a different domestic activity, spinning, cooking, weaving, etc. The apex of the arch also had a number of insets, but these contained recessed lights, which Kendra had never seen turned on. She assumed they were lit at night. The floor of this short tunnel was also of brick, and was a kind of spiraling checkerboard pattern worked in shades of red and gray. It was pretty, Kendra thought, but, like the whole place, rather odd. At the end of the tunnel she came into sunlight and the garden, enclosed on all sides by the walls of the apartment surrounding it, and completely hidden from the street, it was as secret and confined a space as a convent or a prison that it was so well concealed only added to its allure, as far as Kendra was concerned. The enclosure was a full square city block in size, with well-manicured grass covering almost the entire area. A narrow path made of small white pebbles went around the outside of the garden, and two small, old-fashioned looking park benches sat in the far corners, opposite the side where the tunnel entered the square. The center of the garden was the main attraction, though. A very slight rise, not even enough to be called a hill, curved gently up in the middle of the enclosed space. At the top loomed a group of sculptured hedges so unusual, yet so clearly designed and crafted that they defied description. Their shapes were like nothing from nature, but did not in any way clearly resemble man-made structures either. At times some of the shapes reminded Kendra of paisley, those patterns you see on ties and drapes. Some of the hedges seemed to have arms or appendages that reached out to entwine with shapes that rose and wove between some of the other plants. It wasn't a maze, no, not a topiary labyrinth like in the movie The Shining. You could see clear across the garden in some places. No, it looked more like abstract art made of bushes. Kendra had seen some modern blown glass sculpture that these green shapes reminded her of. It wasn't an exact comparison, but, she thought, with art, what is? She spent a minute or two just looking at the group of shapes. They deserve a better collective name than group, Kendra thought. A murder of crows, pride of lions, gaggle of geese, pot of whales. What was it you called a bunch of larks? I heard it on TLC just last week. An exultation. What shall we call a group of abstract topiary forms? She busied her mind with that question as she busied her hands with her job. Same style shed as at the other garden, different tools and materials. In some of the other gardens she was allowed to do some pruning, not here. She wasn't sure if Mr. Vernon did it himself or if he had a higher level gardener come in. Didn't really matter to her. She still had a lot to do weeding, checking for insects, testing moisture levels at a few places, taking a soil sample, lots of little chores. There were some other, less sophisticated shrubs around the side of the garden, too, when she did all the maintenance on those. It was, for some reason, taking longer than she'd remembered, and by the time she was done, she was hot, tired, hungry, and thirsty. There was a neat little bagel shop on the way home. I can stop and get a bagel sandwich and some vitamin water, Kendra thought. She looked at her watch, 6.50. If I wait a bit to hit the metro, I won't get to the bagel shop until after 7.30. It'll be less crowded, I'll have less of a wait. She finished putting away her tools and supplies, locked the shed, and went to have a quick rest on the lawn at the base of the hedges. The grass was lovely, thick and soft, perfect for napping on. She put her backpack under her head, stared up at the clear blue sky, and watched a few tiny clouds 
float sluggishly across her view. Maybe we could call them a frame of topiaries, she thought, since you use frames to help train the hedges to be a particular shape. These are pretty weird, though. Maybe a glyph would be a better name for them, or a mold. She looked up through the leaves, branches, and intertwining limbs of the strange, artful hedges. As she turned her head to see a bit more of them, she noticed for the first time that there were statues sitting on the roofs of the buildings that made up the sides of the garden enclosure. She squinted into the sun and saw that they were gargoyles. They looked a bit like squat, monstrous dogs, with wings, and maybe talons and lizard tails, stuff like that, which was, she supposed, normal for gargoyles. Curiouser and curiouser, she thought. Warm sun, soft grass, tired and a little light-headed on low blood sugar and dehydration, Kendra let her mind drift, which was easy, since she really didn't have a reason to keep it tethered. All the clouds gone, just blue sky so bright it was almost white, like the most faded color that denim jeans can get, the dark deep leaves and the shadows of leaves and the topiary making a stark, sharp contrast to the bright pale sky. Light and dark, nonsense shapes, art and nature, whirls and curves. Kendra turned her head back and forth on her backpack pillow and saw the shapes of the branches frame and expose those non-shapes, the negative space of the sky, like the ink blots and paper. But the paper was the sky, and the leaves were the ink, and suddenly a woman's outline appeared, one hand raised above her head, the other on her hip, legs, shoulders width apart. Nature imitates shrink, Kendra thought, smiling. It really does look like the silhouette of a woman. The thought amused her, and she wondered what one would say to get a lady to come down out of the sky. Chuckling to herself, she began to sing quietly. Step to the rhythm, step, step to the ride. I've got an open mind, so why don't you all get inside? Tune in, turn on to my tune that's live. Ladies flock like a fish to my line. Hey, 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 ladies, get funky. Hey, ladies. Kendra wasn't a huge Beastie Boys fan, but Shama's brother was totally old school, and it just seemed an appropriate way to shout out to some chick made of inverted space. As Kendra finished the chorus, the sky behind the hedges seemed to glow a darker yet stronger shade of blue for a moment, and then the inverted silhouette of the sky woman stepped out of her frame of hedge and shadow and floated down to stand on the grass beneath the branches that had so recently defined her. She struck a pose just a little ways off from where Kendra was reclining. Surprised and amused, but not afraid, Kendra stopped singing and took a good look at the figure. First of all, the size was wrong. The body was proportioned like a normal person, but was about eight feet tall. Not long-legged like a basketball player or burly like a giant or anything. This was just an oversized person. And, of course, she was bright blue. The only breaks in the hue being shadows cast as if she was a solid creature, but painted like the sky. That in her eyes, which were dark and seemed very human. She had no nipples and no genitals, which Kendra only noticed because she also had no clothes. Kendra leaned up on her elbows to get a better look at her hallucination. This makes three today, she said out loud. Or is it four? Oh, yes, the pink clouds. I guess you're number four. What nonsense is this? said the woman in a harsh, cold voice. Give me your word. A bit of cloud began to drift across the woman's chest. It looked like it was a reflection from the sky. Kendra looked up. Sure enough, a little cloud just the same shape was passing above the garden. 
I will take my meds as soon as I get home, murmured Kendra. She closed her eyes and rubbed her palms into them, squeezing her eyeballs a bit and massaging her forehead. When she looked up, the woman was gone. Kendra was relieved. Until something grabbed her by one of the straps of her overalls and lifted her completely off the ground. She struggled, shaking and grabbing at whatever held her up, but couldn't get a decent purchase on anything. She was swung by her arms, but connected with nothing. The fabric of the overalls was digging into her armpits. The crotch was pulling up tight in a kind of hanging wedgie, and she still couldn't see what was happening. Finally, with a quick twisting motion, Kendra was spun around mid-air and found herself facing the Sky Woman again. This time when she spoke, Kendra could see that she had very white, very pointy teeth. Again, that harsh, cold voice spoke. It is yet day. The sun high. The aspect is wrong. We have never hunted in the day. I ask again. And she gave Kendra a shake. What is your word? I don't know what the heck you're talking about. She tried to pry the blue fingers from around the strap where they held her up, but could barely even get a grip on the creature's hand. She managed to register that its skin was cool and smooth like marble or glass. You have no word? She shook Kendra again. You did not call me? No! Finally Kendra got a little mad. She'd talked with some hallucinations before, but they never messed with her like this. Time to take charge of my own subconscious fiction, she thought. Put me the hell down! The Skywoman dropped Kendra to the ground in a lump. Hey! she complained, rubbing her knee. That hurt! The creature wasn't listening to her any more and began speaking to itself. Summon to the garden, but with no binding. This is better luck than I've had in a very long time. If only it had been the night sky filling your song. Might as well play along, Kendra thought. We don't work in the gardens at night. What? Why? The creature demanded. She reached back down as if to grab for Kendra again. Kendra scooted back closer to the knot of shrubbery and answered, Why would we? That's when the owners come in, I guess. What's the big deal? The Sky Woman turned from Kendra and walked around the garden, looking at the benches and stone path. Then she saw the alley and walked through it, out of Kendra's range of vision. Everything was quiet for a moment, but then Kendra heard a sound like a curse, but in a language she didn't understand. It sounded like Russian or Klingon or something very guttural. The creature strode back into the garden with a purpose and came to stand directly over Kendra. You have a key, she said. It was not a question. Yes? Give it to me. Again, Kendra thought, why not? I've played along with the delusions before and only been amused or mildly started. Let's see what Ms. Big Blue Thing has in mind. Kendra shrugged, reached into her pack, and took out the old iron key. She held it out, and the Skywoman bent over it, her hand reaching down. But just before the large blue fingers could grasp the key, a shadow passed behind the woman. Kendra looked to the side, lowering her hand and moving the key out of reach. The Skywoman looked behind her to see what had distracted the girl, and in the very next moment a gray, bulky shape moved between them, pushing Kendra backwards on the grass, rolling her over on her side so that when she finally got to her knees she was about ten feet away from the Sky Woman. Standing on the grass between the two was a gargoyle, one of the ones Kendra thought that had been sitting on the roof. With a sound like a garage door opening, it stretched thick rocky wings up in a shield between Kendra and the blue creature. Kendra could only see about half its face over its shoulder, but it was comic hideous, scary in a way that was too exaggerated. It snarled, and little pieces of stone dropped like drool from its mouth. The Sky Woman held her hands out in front of her, fingers spread but pointing at the beast. Do not interfere, 
golem. Ah! The gargoyle made a sound that was something between a bark, a laugh, and gravel being poured down a tin funnel. Try! I show you teeth! Stone monkey. I will have that key. Now the gargoyle barked, and it was a noise like slabs of marble being slapped together. Two others of his kind landed on either side of him. Each was different, yet they were clearly related. One had a crown of horns, and the other's head looked like a cross between a puppy and a lizard. "'Back inside,' muttered the one with horns. His skin was darker than the first, and his wings were pointier, more like a pterodactyl's. "'I will not,' the skywoman said, crouching low, clearly ready for a fight. "'This is messed up,' thought Kendra, "'but actually pretty entertaining.' She wasn't really worried. A lifetime of dealing with a personal imaginary world of imbalanced brain chemicals had left her hard to shock. But she did want a better view, so she began to edge back towards the hedges. She glanced upward to see how close she was and saw another pale blue shape hiding between the branches of the topiary, another negative space, this time in the shape of a cat. She called to it. Hello, kitty! She was ready for it this time, but it was still rather startling. The outline of the sky cat flashed, and a solid version leaped from the air and landed directly on the back of one of the gargoyles, tearing chunks of rock from its back. One of the other gargoyles turned to help, batting at the cat with rocky paws. Rather than become engaged herself, the sky woman stepped around the brawl in three unnaturally long strides, headed right at Kendra. The key, she hissed. Now! Kendra was still holding it at her side. Before she hadn't really cared, but now the mean cat thing was hurting the gargoyle dog thing. And that wasn't nice. The gargoyles were much cuter than the cat or this pushy blue chick. Nope, Kendra said. No key for you. I will take it from you, growled the sky woman, and whatever flaps of skin come with it. One of the gargoyles scrambled away from the fight with the sky cat and hurled itself on the sky woman's back. Gracefully, almost like a dance move, she ducked down on one knee, grabbed the thing's foreleg in a judo-like hold, and threw it against the brick wall of the garden with a crunch. Kendra watched as it slipped to the ground, broken into two main pieces, front and back, both of which continued to move. Not long until night, the sky woman said to no one in particular. Then she turned and strode back to where Kendra was sitting on the grass. She bent down and again lifted Kendra by her overall strap. This time, though, she merely left Kendra standing in front of her. As she stood, Kendra got a glimpse of another gargoyle in pieces, surrounded by a pool of blue ichor. Poor doggy, she thought. Very deliberately, the blue woman used one hand to raise up Kendra's arm and began to pry the key out of her grip. If anything, the woman's efforts were hampered by the size of her own hands. She didn't seem to be able to get a purchase under Kendra's fingers. While this was going on, Kendra simply watched. It was what she did. One part of her brain was excited and maybe a little afraid, but the other, the part that had kept her from losing her mind for many years, acted almost like a narrator explaining how she should just let go of the key and see what happened, or hang on to it. No big deal, either way. But before she could make up her mind, a large gray set of teeth closed on the skywoman's arm and bit it, clean in two. Bluish fluid sprayed on the ground and on Kendra's clothes. She looked down and saw another gargoyle. This one was quite a bit larger than the other three. If they were bulldogs, he was a mastiff. She also saw that the sky-blood liquid on the ground looked just like it did on the lady, little pieces of cloud moving through blue like the reflection of summer on a still lake. The skywoman screamed and brought Kendra's attention back to the fight. 
Looking down at the big gargoyle, one arm a stump at the elbow, the skywoman hissed, Stand off, Icon! This is not your concern. In a voice like a small earthquake, the gargoyle replied, My garden. Ha! The creature laughed, seemingly unconcerned by the loss of her arm. She gestured around her, So small a kingdom for a carving of your caliber, and only three... She looked at the struggling halves of the split-open gargoyle. Excuse me, two subjects at your beck. So sad a king. He shook his head. Not king, warden. If it was possible, the skywoman looked even more angry, but now she was offended too. Warden of a prison? Do you claim me as your prisoner? Not prison, he replied. Zoo. Oh, no you didn't thought Kendra. That's going to piss her off. I am no pet, roared the creature, bending forward and charging straight at the gargoyle. The skywoman fought with more fury than skill. She seemed very strong to Kendra, who took a moment to stand up and dust off the seat of her pants. But not really skilled, like an oversized junior high school boy who's been thrown into his first fight. The gargoyle simply hunkered down as the blue creature slapped and hit it on its shoulders, wings, and head. Truthfully, the stone creature seemed more annoyed than afraid, and didn't react at all until the skywoman reared back with her remaining arm above her head to strike downward the dog-like creature. At that moment, what had seemed a slothful pile of rocks jumped up with amazing speed and tore at the skywoman's throat. It wasn't a killing blow, but what seemed to be gallons of cyan liquid spewed from a ragged tear in her shoulder. She screamed again and fell to her knees, clutching the wound with her one good hand. I will crush you for that, she spat. The gargoyle sat patiently, panting a little, looking for all the world like he was waiting for someone to throw him a ball. Or maybe a stone frisbee, Kendra thought. Or a manhole cover. The skywoman tried to stand up, but seemed too weak. She slid further onto the ground, leaning on her one good arm. When the gargoyle stood and trotted over to her, she simply stared at him. Back in hole, the stone monster said. The blue woman nodded, tried to stand, but clearly wasn't able. <sighs> murmured the gargoyle, making a go-on-now gesture with his snout. She, the skywoman pointed at Kendra, she must bid me leave. Both of the fantastic creatures looked at Kendra. She had no idea what to say, so she just shrugged. Well, growled the gargoyle. I'm not sure how she got here. I sure as heck don't know how to send her back. Although missing one arm and a large chunk of shoulder, this seemed to amuse the skywoman, she looked at both Kendra and the gargoyle the way a clever criminal might regard the bumbling detective who has, through sheer ludicrous luck, managed to trap a prey much smarter than he. The gargoyle broke the silence. Kaelin comes. He will know what to do. Kendra nodded. Why not? Wait for somebody else. She sat down on the grass and was about to lean back and have a bit of a lie down when the gargoyle woofed. You, sit on bench. Benches for a reason. No problems when people sit on bench. Kendra nodded, got up, and went to sit on the bench. The gargoyle and the skywoman continued to stare at each other. After a few uneventful minutes, the gargoyle growled, Don't move, and went over to one of the piles of rocks. He began pushing the big pieces closer together with his nose, nudging small rocks and bits of grit into piles with his oversized, taloned paws. The skywoman watched him, shaking her head gently, still lounging on the ground like a broken blue mannequin. 
At one point, the gargoyle spied a large pool of what Kendra was now thinking of as sky blood, and went over to look at it more carefully. After sniffing it, he hopped into the pool and jumped around in it, looking to Kendra like a strange stone puppy, playing happily in a puddle. When there was nothing left of the blue puddle, the gargoyle went back to arranging the piles of his former comrade's chunks. The gate rattled. All three of them looked up. Mercare! a voice called from the shadow. Oof! answered the gargoyle. He trotted over to stand next to the sky woman. A man with long black hair came into the garden from the short tunnel. At least from his distance he looked like a man to Kendra. As he got closer, though, she noticed some very strange details. His hair, for example, seemed to be a tangle of waist-length dreadlocks. But as he approached, she saw that they appeared more like many narrow-plated leather strands. Growing out of his head, yes, but not quite hair. And his hair started very far back on his head. It reminded her of pictures of Chinese immigrant laborers working on the railroad. His face wasn't quite the right shape either. It was a bit too long, and the chin was too square. He was wearing wraparound silver sunglasses that totally hid his eyes, and he wore long silver earrings in both ears, chains of charms and symbols, it looked like. When he was within twenty feet or so, Kendra stood up and moved toward the gargoyle. She sensed that they needed to get this business resolved and done with. Why? She didn't know. But although the fight was over, she felt ill at ease all of a sudden and it wasn't the presence of this very strange-looking man. At least she didn't think it was. There was a heaviness in the air there hadn't been before. The man spoke. You are Rain's helper. Kendra nodded and said, uh, Yeah, Mr. Vernon, Rain Vernon. He hired me. I'm Kendra White. I guess you're Kaolin? He nodded back at her and held out his hand for her to shake. She held out hers without really thinking and looked down at the last instant before they touched, as they grasped hands, she realized that he seemed to have an extra set of knuckles on each finger, and that they were long, long fingers, too. He had a firm, no-nonsense grip, but didn't try to get all macho or anything, and as they shook, Kendra felt a cool sensation up the back of her spine, as if she'd just been tickled. Kaolin nodded, releasing her hand. Rain would need someone with a touch of grace, but not a true reckoner. He has had trouble with uh, assistance before. Kendra shook her head. Weird is weird, and that's fine, but she was getting hungry. Look, she said, I'm sorry for whatever trouble my daydreaming caused, but I've got to get going. I've barely eaten anything all day, and I've got... Kaolin raised his long-fingered hand as if to say hush. He took off his sunglasses, and she saw that his eyes were shaped like diamonds, yellow diamonds with green at their centers. They looked a bit like snake's eyes, but less threatening. He stared straight into her own green eyes and said... Tell me about the voices. None of her hallucinations had ever done that, referred to other hallucinations. That was new. Look, she repeated, I have to get going, I've got... But somehow the golden eyes stopped her words, mid-thought. She felt compelled to answer his question. She didn't know why, it didn't seem important, but she wanted to talk, and so she talked, and he listened, as did the gargoyle and the sky woman who sat with ill-concealed impatience and scorn, occasionally glancing up and over her shoulder at the garden wall behind her. When I was six, I had tea parties with my imaginary friends. I told my mom about it. She said all little girls have tea with imaginary friends. So I didn't think it was a big deal that one was a little boy whose skin was blue like dark ink is blue and who could sing to me in four-part harmony. One of them was a girl with parrot wings who brought us all cookies made from sunlight. 
When I ate them, I felt warmer. There were others, but Ink Boy and Parrot Girl were there most often. I was about eight when I started telling Mom the stories they told me. And I told her that they sometimes pushed me on the swing when nobody else was there. She thought I was being funny and telling stories to get attention. When Parrot Girl started teaching me the words to songs that nobody else had heard of, she got a bit scared and took me to a doctor. He seemed very nice and talked to me for a long time about Ink Boy and Parrot Girl and the Bear Clown and Miss Tin, all my friends. Then he talked to my mom, and I had to go to the hospital for six months. They gave me lots of medicine, and my friends went away. Kaolin's face looked very sad. Ah, medicine. To mask the mask. Schizoid delusions with auditory hallucinations, right? Kendra nodded. Kaolin asked quietly, You stopped taking your medicine recently, eh? Again, she nodded. Is this the first time? She shook her head. No, about three years ago. I stopped cold turkey because the meds made me feel like I couldn't breathe. Like I was always underwater or being choked or held down. I'd been on this stuff for four years straight. When I dropped it, I crashed hard and woke up in a hospital bed with tubes in my arm and an angel standing next to the bed. An angel? Kaolin looked puzzled. Kendra nodded again. A beautiful lady with wings and a light behind her head. I knew she wasn't real, but she was looking at me like she wanted me to be okay. Like she was my friend. And then she disappeared. And you went back on your medicine. Yeah. She was looking away now, over the strange man's shoulders, out at nothing, in at memory. The new stuff is lots better, doesn't creep me out or make me feel crappy, but I still just wanted to be me. Just me. It's weird when you look at your friends and you wonder if they'd be your friends if you weren't on your meds. So this time I tapered off slowly, skipped one every three days, then every two, then one of my eight pills a day, you know, got down to none, been real careful. Mom hasn't caught me yet. Kaylin nodded and patted her on the arm. She seemed to refocus, shake her head, and realize there was other people there. Well, what was I saying? she asked Kaylin. It doesn't matter, he replied. He stood up next to the bench and looked around the garden. The sun was disappearing behind the buildings, and he looked up at the empty gargoyle pillars in the corners of the roof. You won't remember any of this. He reached towards her with two of his long, long fingers. Kendra saw that he had a ring on his index finger that looked like a snake curling around his fingers several times. It was silver and had green stones for eyes. He put his hand on the side of her face and she could feel the cool metal of the ring against the line of her jaw. There was a blink of light, like when sun reflects off a camera lens, and for just a moment Kaylin looked to Kendra like a normal guy with long, greasy black hair. His eyes were brown, not yellow, and roundish like everyone else's eyes. The shape of his face wasn't strange either anymore. She heard a small hoof, and there at the foot of the bench was a bulldog. Not a gargoyle, just a plain ugly old bulldog, cute in its gruff wheezing way. Where the sky woman had been was a blue-gray hawk with a broken wing. That's puzzling, thought Kendra. I could have sworn they looked... At just that moment, the moon, up early in the evening this time of year, raised a shining sliver of her face above the far garden wall. The Sky Woman reappeared, and as if she'd heard a bell rung in the distance, she turned and smiled. The sky had begun to darken. So had her skin. There was some red and orange at the horizon, and deep blue at the apex of the sky. Kendra saw this range of colors spreading across the woman, and thought it was quite beautiful. 
Then the woman raised the ragged stump of her severed arm to the sky, a look of joy on her strange blue face, and silver flowed from her shoulder up into the arm, over the elbow, and into the space where her wrists and fingers would have been. The arm reformed itself, as smooth and silent as the moonrise. Kaelin sensed Kendra's attention and looked behind him. As he turned, the skywoman pulled a piece of her own flesh from the side of her head and hurled it at him with brutal force. He ducked, and the material splashed the brick wall behind them, making a sizzling noise against the stone. A spatter of this darker, harsher sky blood caught Kendra in its spray and struck her across her chest, near her collarbone. For Kendra, time froze. There was nothing in her world but pain, like fire, like acid, yes, that kind of pain. It felt as if someone had branded her flesh with tiny coils of electricity. She couldn't get away from it. She scratched at the skin, but there was nothing there, no fluid, no scar, no scab, not even a bump or blister. She could feel it burning, but she couldn't touch it with her hand. She could feel it eating its way through to the other side of her body. Her body jerked and clenched so hard that she fell off the bench and onto the ground. Without thinking, she tore a handful of grass and tried rubbing it into the pain. It did not help. She couldn't breathe enough to scream, though she thought she'd like to. She felt as if she would faint and welcomed it. Yes, yes, please, she begged in her mind, please. I'd like to pass out now and wake up somewhere else. The Skywoman raised her hand to be fully in the moonlight and smiled as much as she could through the ruin she'd made of her own face. Then she plunged her hand into her body under her ribcage, digging for something inside. Her skin around that area was deep red, like the horizon at sunset, but with shafts of yellow and orange and blue running throughout. Insanely, even through the terrible pain, Kendra couldn't stop marveling at how lovely the colors were. Kaolin, already ducked down to one knee, reached to the ground and pulled up a fistful of grass in each hand. He quickly rolled them together like he would with dough or clay into a small shaft of woven green. Looking up, he saw that the Skywoman had completely pressed her hand into her own torso, reaching for some substance deep inside herself. The rest of her body glowed with silver highlights and had begun to be edged by a deep, sharp black. She pressed harder, gasping and smiling at the same time as her arm pushed further up into her body. In Kaelin's hands, the little roll of grass had become longer, impossibly longer, growing to the size of a javelin. The bits of grass, the ragged blades that bent out near the tip, had come to resemble the barbs on a harpoon. The Sky Woman grunted, and it was a sound like a woman giving birth or being punched hard, but the look on her face was one of wonder and anticipation. She looked down at Kendra, the girl's hand still clutching the key to the garden, smiled, and began to walk toward her, one arm still buried elbow-deep in her abdomen, still clutching at something inside her own body. Kendra could not move. The pain was paralyzing. It pinned her to the ground. All she could do was watch as the enormous, beautiful woman, painted all the colors of the dying sky, came for her. Behind the sky woman, Kaelin stood up, placed the tip of his spear against his mouth, and spat on the barbs. With a small sound like, Hey, Kea! He pulled the spear back over his shoulder, then lunged forward and threw the shaft at the sky woman from behind. It looked to Kendra as if the spear went through the center of the Skywoman's back, right between the shoulders. It came out just below her throat and sent another shower of black, blue, red, silver fluid spewing towards Kendra. She managed to roll out of the way as the blood liquid rained down. The giant woman pulled her hand from inside her body, releasing whatever fey organ she'd meant to dislodge, and grasped 
at the spikes of the spear protruding from her throat instead. She could not seem to get a grip on it, her hands slipping and pulling uselessly at the blades of slick, shiny grass. The woman fell to her knees, eyes wide but unseeing. With a last gasp she fell sideways onto the ground near the bench, the shaft of the spear breaking in two beneath her. Wet, sloshing sounds continued to emanate from the dead blue body for several moments, and then all was still and quiet. The gargoyle, Merkir, trotted over to sit next to Kaelin on the grass. "'Pesky things!' the gargoyle muttered. Kaelin nodded. Kendra stood up, unsteadily, and touched the spot on her neck. It didn't hurt any more. There was a numbness there, a place where she couldn't feel anything, but at least it didn't hurt. She looked over at the two friends. One looked vaguely alien, complete with leather hair and reptilian eyes. The other looked like a gargoyle. The gargoyle had indeed just spoken. She glanced over her shoulder. The broken blue body of the Sky Woman lay spread out in the dim evening light, her skin growing darker as the sky above her did. Her sightless eyes were open and black, and her chin was tilted up at a strange angle, resting on the tip of the grass spear that poked out through her throat. It may have been relief from pain, low blood sugar, dehydration, or shock. Whatever the reason, Kendra slumped down on the bench and then slid onto her side, passed out cold. The man and the gargoyle stood looking at the girl and the dead woman thing. The sky still held some light, but it would be full dark soon. There was a mess to clean up and gargoyles to reassemble or replace. But that would wait a moment. She's marked muttered Kaelin. The gargoyle lifted one gray stony eyebrow. She may remember everything after all, he continued. The gargoyle said nothing. Well, Kaelin asked, what do you think? The gargoyle looked up into the sky. I think it's gonna rain, he said. The light faded as Kaelin tucked the brass key into Kendra's backpack. <laughs>